This episode is sponsored by Fracht. Fracht means freight in German. Founded in 1955 in Basel, Switzerland as a freight forwarder, the company has grown and evolved to become a global logistics provider for many industries. Specifically for oil and gas, the company manages the complex movement of large industrial equipment used in our offshore production platforms, all the way to MRO, rope soap and dope, and chemicals. For more information, find them at www.frochtgroup.com. Welcome to ESG Energize, where we discuss the latest developments in the environmental, social, and governance arena that are impacting the energy industry today. Here is your host, Delfina Govia. This is Delfina Govia, the Chief Sustainability Officer for Frac, a global logistics provider with an unflinching commitment to sustainability and ESG, and where we are collaborating with our customers and our suppliers to deliver innovative, sustainable supply chain solutions. Spectrum Camera Solutions is up next, represented by their CEO, Lee Rice. Welcome to ESG Energize Podcast. Thank you, thank you. And what does Spectrum Camera Solutions do? So we manufacture explosion-proof cameras, globally certified from USA, Canada, all the way to IECX in India. Um, we take the world's best technology and we integrate it inside of our patented enclosures and certify it globally. Uh, so right now we're, we're debuting our, our AI cameras. And with these AI cameras, they're, they're learning-based. They have deep learning processing units. And they're particular applications that can be developed for each industry. So um, one of the cases being uh, flare monitoring. So we, we detect the, the, the particular colors of the flares, the smoke of the flare. We give the method 22 data that is required. And we also do uh, recording on the camera itself up to one terabyte card. Uh, so you don't really need a uh, server infrastructure to, to have a flare monitoring set up. The app is driven on the camera. Um, and then recording can be done on the camera as well, and you can have backup as well um, on, on essential servers. So what is the AI component of this? The AI component uh, being driven by mainstream markets, the markets that are doing uh, airports, uh, government facilities, school systems, this building that we're in here, um, it's really being uh, driven by the deep learning processing units and the algorithms that are, that are uh, basically training these cameras to be smarter. So some are machine learning, some are AI. Um, we have a partner that we OEM for, uh, Hanwha Vision out of South Korea. Uh, they're one of the world's largest, or largest camera companies out there and we, we provide them explosion-proof solutions here in the U.S. Uh, and then we take their technology, and their particular technology is quite interesting because you could actually train the camera over time. After that camera's trained, if I like this, I don't like this scenario and things, in different environments of day, night, snow, sleet, all those reference images are gathered over time, let's say a 40-day period, for example. And then you've developed that app by training that camera, then you could actually take that app and shoot it to all the other cameras as well. So um, that's actually making the end user an app developer. Uh, there are other, other applications that doesn't work for. You need a more customizable app. 
Um, PPE detection, that's pretty easy and typical now. Do you have a vest? Do you have a hard hat? Do you have safety glasses? But once you get into actually wearing a harness and are you tied off properly, that may not be able to be done on the camera itself, but it could be done on a cloud-based AI where you're actually putting a safety person where every single camera is. Oh, fantastic. Now, what? how long has this organization been around, this company been around? So I started the organization in, uh, in 2012. Um, I was actually an offshore integrator, but I needed a manufacturing arm because I, I got well beyond integration at that point. I was kidding things at that time, and uh, and I needed uh, I needed a tool to do that. So I started Spectrum Camera Solutions uh, while I was on vacation in Jamaica, of all places, and that's why our uh, that's why our logo is Jamaica flag colors. Oh, okay. So what is you, what do you have over on display at your booth tonight? So on display over there, we have a uh, D101, with a, which is a small dome. D stands for dome. Uh, the smallest is the 100 series. And inside there, we have a panoramic. It's got three imagers, but if we plugged it in and, and we actually took a picture of here, we would perfectly stitch all those images together to give you more than 180 degree view and situational awareness, uh, situational awareness throughout the room uh, with one device. Oh my gosh, that's fascinating. Can I drive people to a website to get more information? Absolutely, uh, spectrumcamera.com. And you are based where, here in Houston? Houston, Texas, we're 100% made in the US. Um, I'd say probably 70, 80% of our, of our product is, is made right here in the greater Houston area. And we're a global company, we sell everywhere from Saudi Arabia to Netherlands to Brazil. So. Uh, but right here in the mecca of oil and gas, and uh, really enjoying um, uh, the market's receptivity of, uh, of our products. So what brought you to this event tonight? My vice president, uh, Ephraim Garcia, uh, suggested we come here. I learned more about the cause, and it just absolutely uh, you know, was a, a no-brainer. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to be here. Last question. Why do you own a kilt? Well, Ephraim said, uh, why don't we wear kilts? And, um, and I said, why not? Okay, all right. But, but when I wear a kilt, it's also with a tux. <laughs> I see that, yes. I, I should tell my listeners he does have a tux on with his kilt. So, fantastic. Thank you so much, Lee, for joining me on the show. Thank you. The noise and the music has picked up in the background, and we are going to... Just muddle through. Next up, we have Scottish Development International, represented by Cornell Rost. Cornell, welcome to ESG Energize. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. And you are the Vice President of Low Carbon and Energy Transition. Did yes. I get that right? That's correct. Okay, so what does your organization do, and what do you do particularly? So, uh, Scottish Development International is the um, economic, de economic Development Agency for Scotland. And our role is to um, support the Scottish economy and encourage growth in the Scottish economy by encouraging exports to different markets outside of Scotland, namely in this case of the U.S. Uh, and I cover with other colleagues here in the U.S., uh, or at least in Houston, um, the energy sector. Uh, in addition, I have other colleagues that uh, identify companies on the growth mode uh, through um, finance and investment, and they, they try to identify what their interests are in regards to expanding their business overseas, and they make a case as to why Scotland is a place to be to actually help them grow their business, either in the Middle East, Europe, or, or uh, Africa. So make the 
the linkage for me, the connection between what you just said and being in charge of low carbon and energy transition. So since Scotland, as of uh, since COP26, we are no longer supporting a lot of the oil and gas companies in Scotland in the, in the sense that we are trying to get out of the oil and gas business in a, ma in a manner of speaking. Um, we're actively now looking for clean energy solutions, uh, looking for companies involved in uh, hydrogen, carbon capture, uh, geothermal opportunities, offshore wind and onshore wind, in order to support the U.S. goals to be net zero in addition to identifying companies who want to grow in Europe and support the UK as well as Scotland's goals for net, towards net zero. So what do your day-to-day -day activities look like? Um, it varies from day-to-day. -day. So what we try to do is identify, in the US, we try to identify companies involved in the hydrogen space uh, oh, okay. or carbon capture and identify what are the challenges that they're experiencing and their needs and wants in regards to whatever they're involved in around that space. And in turn, we go to uh, our Scottish colleagues, we, we're supported out of the, the Glasgow office in Aberdeen to identify companies that provide those solutions that address the problems here. Ah, so you are, I don't want to say middleman, but you are a connector yes. of companies. Correct. Mm -hmm. The yes. person that, you know, so we're, Yes, we identify the opportunities and then we try to identify the companies and encourage them to come out to market. And the other way, is through activities similar to this one, to Red M, um, is whereby we actually do an event. So for example, we're having, we're bringing a delegation at the end of June for the North American Hydrogen Technology and CCUS Conference. Yeah. And we're going to be exhibiting there. We're going to have the 12 companies exhibiting there. We're going to pull in the Chevrons, the Exxons, those people involved in, those, in that sector, in that space, and tell them this is the reason why you should work with Scottish companies, because they're synonymous with great engineers and great technologies. Ah, so once again, repeat that conference for my audience because they are going to be interested. The name of the conference? Yes. It's called the North American Hydrogen Technology Conference. And, and who's sponsoring it? Uh, Trans World Events, I recall. Okay. And it's okay. going to be at the NRG, and it's uh, the June 28th and 29th. Okay, so and we'll probably be there too. Maybe we'll run into each other. Yes, again. I look forward to that. <laughs> so what, other than the Scottish Connection, are, have you guys supported the Red M movement in the past, or is this your, for, your first foray into understanding what this, what Red M does? Well, no, we have an idea what Red M does, and our support to them was through reaching out to the Scottish community, because there's a lot of Scottish companies here in Houston, small, medium-sized, have been here several years, and we try to make them aware of Red M and their cause to support um, people who have been affected by human trafficking, yeah. and we try to encourage them to support uh, an altruistic organization such as this, in a way to sort of incorporate themselves into the Houston community, because we're, we're big believers in doing what we can, our part, to make the make this city better, uh, and make it all the more appealing for Scottish companies to come over. I so. love it, I love it. Well, I am very pleased that you took the time to have a chat with us, and I'm gonna direct my listeners also to your website, and it is www.sdi.com. CO.UK. Did correct. I get that correct? Yes, ma'am. We're going to put that in the show notes. And if people want to reach out to you, they can just go to your website and they can find you. Am I right? Yes. I look forward to that. Thank you, Cornell, for being on the show. All right. Thank you. Okay. This one's a little bit different, folks, and I'm pretty excited about it. We have joining us Joe Keeney, who is a marine engineer, and he is the deputy corps commander at Texas A&M Galveston. This fine young man is here with some of his uh, colleagues.
his fellow Corman. Can I, do I say Corman right? Is yes, that, ma'am. Is that is that correct? Uh, you could say Corman. You could say cadets. Whatever suits your fancy. Cadets. Okay. Well, what if it's a girl? Do I say core woman? They're cadets. It's just cadets. Yeah, there's no sex when it comes to cadets. It's just cadets. Okay. <laughs> so you are here representing Texas A&M Galveston, and ladies and gentlemen, they have over at their booth an exhibit of a project that they have been working on, and I'm very anxious to have Joe explain what that project is. It's pretty cool. I'd be happy to. So we are a senior design group, which is the capstone project for Texas A&M University at Galveston for seniors in the marine engineering uh, degree. And what we're studying is basically wave power generation. So what we have come up with is our own design of a wave energy converter that's different from most ones on the commercial market currently. We got a lot of inspiration from ones on the current market and kind of based a lot of our ideas and our proofs of concept off of their proofs of concept. However, we differ in the actual powertrain of our wave energy converter. Instead and why? Of, why, did you, why did you embark upon this project? So this is a research project that is a grant from the Department of Energy that we basically fall under. It's NREL, uh, and they're a section of the Department of Energy, and they're looking for more publicity for not only marine power, uh, but wave energy converters as a whole. So this is a, basically a research grant given to our marine engineering department for us to learn more about wave energy converters, to design and come up with our own and actually test our own designs. So that's what we've been doing currently. So you're, are you in the process of testing? Yes, we are. So we have our saltwater test. We've done our freshwater test, testing the watertight integrity of our buoy and our wave energy converter. We've also done our scalar t uh, power test to see what about what we'd be making on land before we actually throw this thing in water. And we're making about peak output is about 42 watts. However, this is designed to be scaled way up to about 23 kilowatts is what we have designed this buoy to actually be making in the commercial atmosphere of the energy landscape. So that's what we're working on now. However, we test for salt water this coming week. We're, um, Texas A&M Maritime Academy is where all the cadets are at Texas A&M University at Galveston. We have our own fleet of uh, ships because we are a Maritime Academy and my colleagues, uh, Austin Robinson and Patrick Kelly over there are licensed option marine engineers. Myself, I'm being, uh, I'm commissioning into the Navy whenever I graduate. So there's a little difference in our program. However, we have access to any kinds of ships uh, at Texas A&M University. We probably have about 30 different vessels that we use. So we'll be taking the Trident out next week to drop this thing in the water and to actually test to see what our actual power output is given the waves that we'd be seeing out in the Gulf of Mexico. Okay, so what, give my listeners the, the vision for this technology going fo forward from the commercial standpoint. What is the commercialization outlook for this technology? So I can speak on the kind of history of wave energy converters as a whole first so that I can provide some context and answer that question. For wave energy converters, they're relatively new in the, in the power generation landscape. There is not one direct way to do it the best. 
So a lot of research is being done currently in the wave energy conversion uh, converter sector to come up with what works very well. And there are different designs that work well in different areas. We're designing ours to work well anywhere. Um, however, that being said, wind power and solar power are about 40 years ahead of wave power. So there's a huge opportunity in the commercial landscape to start making viable and practically uh, available machines for these wave converters to take over the wave energy sector because there really is no sector. The, the only real ones that are working well right now is I think the power buoy is one of the ones we based our design off of and changed a lot about. Uh, but that, I think, is the only one that's in commercial application right now. The costs are just too high right now. So we added an objective to our project to try and lower the cost as possible, as much as possible. And we did a lot of that by using store-bought parts instead of using custom manufacturing. And that's how we've been able to lower our costs. We're looking at around, for our fully scaled up buoy, around $30,000 per unit which will be making 23 kilowatts per hour, which if you're selling that back to the grid at point or 70, 17 cents per uh, kilowatt, you're looking at about $20,000 a year, I think it was, is what we measured, and then about a year and a half to pay that thing off, and that's how long your return on investment is, about a year and a half. So it's kind of hard to find a way for wave energy converters to fit uh, in less than that three to four year payoff, we've kind of figured it out, but at the same time, ours is only a scale model. So I'm not going to say that we're there yet. Well, just like any type of new technology, it's going to take a while to get it to a point where it is really commercially viable, right? So you guys are right. kind of at the forefront. What is so what's the next step for you guys? Have you patented this technology? What's the next step for you guys? So, it's a good question. We're gonna test it first in salt water, out in the Gulf of Mexico, see what we're making. And we do have ideas to increase the efficiency of our design. So currently we operate in a rack and pinion gear rack style that as our buoy moves vertically along our buoy shaft, we make power through a rotational generator, which not many wave energy converters, if any, use that type of technology, which is one of the oldest technologies of power generation period. So we kind of wanted to go back to the basics and do that. We want to add a turbine on top because our thing is completely sealed off from the saltwater environment. We have air pressures that build up and cause can cause problems in our buoy if we're not releasing them. So we have check valves and vacuum breaker valves to combat that problem right now. But instead of that, we'd like to add an actual rotational turbine on the top section of our buoy that as the air goes in and out, as our buoy is compressing up and down, we're actually making more power and that'll boost our efficiency. Additionally, in our current design, our buoy can freely rotate circularly around. And that's because the coupling that we use to moor this thing to the bottom of the ocean in the configuration that we've designed it can rotate all the way around the buoy shaft without interfering or adding any or inducing any stress on the actual wave energy converter as a whole. 
So with that, that's another way that we can capture even more horizontal energy instead of just capturing energy in the vertical direction. So we have ways that we want to boost the efficiency of our buoy before we actually commercialize it and patent it and throw it out there. So there is still a lot more work to do. Right now, we're basically doing proof of concept of our first concept of that uh, piston, or not piston, uh, gear and rack and uh, rotational generator idea that we started with. So give my, give my listeners an, an understanding of the length of time that this process takes. You, you do this as part of your academic program. Yes, ma'am. And is this a multi-year project? Or? So it's, a, it's an annual project, so it's a whole year long. So we're all seniors. There's three of us. All three of us are seniors. By the time we're gone, we're going to pass it on to a new group, and they're going to make it better, and they're going to improve upon our design. Or at least that's what I and my group has set up. So in years past, we were supposed to take over a, a previous wave energy converter. However, it was not very successful. It was only making about 0.2 volts which is not even a watt of power, where ours, our scale model right now is making more than they ever did. So we decided to clean slate, come up with a new idea, and it's been working out pretty well for us. However, during that year-long process, I would say the first six months, we're in picking our materials and designing our buoy and running all of the calculations we could think of. Now, the, the back half of those six months, the last six months, that's mainly testing fabricating, maybe doing some final design tweaks and adding a couple more features, like a safety feature, uh, which we did actually. We had to add a, add a safety uh, feature for, in order to get our grant from the Department of Energy to build our buoy. Um, so we actually had to put that in after we had fully designed our buoy, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, uh, we, we are problem solvers being marine engineers, and we're very self-sufficient, so we enjoy a good challenge. And we figured it out, and it turned out, I think, the best we probably could have had as far as our safety system goes. It, it locks our, our power buoy in place, so no matter what storm surge is hitting that thing or riding over top, it won't go anywhere. Um, but yeah, so right now, where we are in our year-long project is we're about to finish our testing. And then once we finish our testing, it's just writing up our, our conclusions and what we've observed and seen from our projects so that next group has something to read, understand, and improve upon. You've only got a little bit more than a, maybe even a month left, right? And then you graduate. Yeah, no, it's 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 down to the wire. We're we're running we're <laughs> no running right up to it. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. I have a presentation that I made. All those presentations that you that are over at our booth today, we finished last night at around 3 a.m. I love. And it. I'd been working on for about a month, but we wanted to include our testing data that we took uh, literally yesterday. So we were working real late last night, but we're happy to be here. So sleep deprivation training is part of this process. Well, if anything, it's helping me get ready for the Navy. There you, know? you go. So there you it's, go. it's only more, it's another problem to solve. There you go. I love it. Joe, fantastic. Um, it is always just exciting, invigorating for us old folk to just be able to sit back and watch what you guys are accomplishing. Uh, very impressed. Thank you so very much for joining me on my show. Thank you for having me. We 
are next up with Load Monitoring Systems, represented by Wayne Lacey. Wayne, I want you to say the name of your company for me. And the name of our company is uh, Load Monitoring Systems. Oh no, so now he pronounces it Load. When he first came up, I said, what's the name of your company? He's, say it, give me the Scottish accent, come on. Load Monitoring Systems. There we go, there we go. But he's not wearing a kilt, ladies and gentlemen. I, he's, a, he's a sorry excuse for a, for a Scotsman. My shoes broke the last time I wore them. <laughs> I was going to wear my kilt. <laughs> but the soles fell off my shoes. I was dancing too much. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> so, Wayne, tell us about load monitoring systems. What do you guys do? Load monitoring systems is a manufacturer out of Aberdeen. They've been established since 2016. And what we manufacture is load links, load shackles, uh, load tension meters. And what the, the purpose is is to measure the load and monitor the load of weights, uh, whether it be a container, whether it be a line that's in tension. Um, everything's manufactured in-house in Aberdeen, Scotland. And uh, we've been over here since October and uh, we're just trying to get the LMS or Load Monitoring Systems name recognized uh, so we can start operating over here. Ah, so you are just building up your your business and your market here in, in yes. Houston. How's that going? Good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, it's been very interesting. Uh, my my background is in rigging, so and lifting uh, when I when I was young, so I have a lot of contacts here anyway. Ah, fantastic. So with that contacts and uh, going to ex expeditions, doing this stuff, it's uh, it's been good. So how did you get roped into, other than being obviously Scottish without the kilt, how did you get roped into coming here tonight? Cornell bribed me. Cornell did, yeah. You know, that Cornell. He's, yeah. He can't trust him. He it. promised me a lollipop. He did? Yeah. Darn it. Did you get your lollipop? No, but I got a Milky Way. A Milky Way? Oh, hey, a Milky Way's better than a yeah. lollipop any day. It's not a Scottish Milky Way, but it's, it'll do. Is there such thing as a Scottish Milky Way? Oh, yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. You're making stuff up. No. It's, it's, it's similar, it's uh, similar to the Milky Ways over here, but you don't have the caramel. Well then what good is it? Oh, it's good. It's nice and fluffy. Oh, all right, if you say so. <laughs> so, tell us, what, what's uh, the roadmap for you at Load Monitoring Systems? Well, we're, we're, we're going to the, the shows, mm -hmm. uh, different shows, to get into different markets. A lot of the work that we do in the UK is to the oil and gas market. Mm -hmm. And we do have some work in the renewables, the entertainment business, um, the aquaculture business as well. So we're looking at those avenues here as well to promote our name. Uh -huh. So obviously here in Houston, Texas, the not only the energy capital of the world, the energy transition capital of the world, Say that again, sorry, I didn't, I didn't catch that. Uh, so we're having some trouble here. He can't hear me because of all of the wonderful music in the background. It's, so this, Houston is the energy transition capital of the yes. world. It's the energy capital of the world. I would imagine that the oil and gas market is going to be your number one target for, for this business. It's, it's a target, but because of the nature of the oil and gas, it's like a roller coaster. It's up and down so much. Yeah, we know uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> I've been here 23 years, so I know the, the, uh, the roller coaster. And uh, so we, we do need to look at other, other avenues. We can't have all our eggs in one basket. Uh, we, we've got to go into the construction side, the, the renewables, because uh, those are big markets as well, especially in the U.S. Uh -huh. And in, in a construction site, 
What is the major application for your products and services? Well, you, you, you see Paint those, the picture. Well, you see those big cranes yes. in the skies? Oh, yeah. Well, at the end of that hook, there has to be something that monitors the load because ah, the, okay. the cranes are rated for a certain amount of load and you've got to make sure you don't overload uh, the crane. They'll have internal uh, load sensors, but they'll use external ones as well just as a backup, just to verify it. Okay. And uh, if, if, uh, if the construction company's customer wants to make sure that the, the weight of the beams is going into the structure, they can weigh that as well with our products. So are you a structural engineer, a mechanical engineer? You're no, the business I, I'm, development guy. I'm a lifting equipment engineer. You're a lifting equipment. I didn't know there was such thing. I just learned yeah. something. Yeah. Ah, I'm just getting smarter every minute, you guys. <laughs> I'm learning so much tonight. Well, I am going to direct my listeners to your website. Is it loadmonitoringsystems.com? It is, yes. We're going to put that in the show notes. Wayne Lacey, reach out to him. Find him through loadmonitoringsystems.com. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. You can tell that we are getting a little later on in the evening because my guests are now walking up with beer in hand. And also with scotch in hand, beer in hand. I've even got my glass of wine. I'm talking now to Paul Goonan from Arnley Systems, and Paul has been handing out Scottish sausages all night at his booth, but I'm pretty sure that's not what Arnley Systems does, is it, Paul? Uh, no, definitely not. So that's my little side deal, uh, Scottish, Scottish uh, sausage rolls and Scottish tablet, which is pure sugar. Uh, but what Arnley Systems do is uh, we're a, a mobile inspection software company, uh, our field service management software company. Okay, exp talk a little bit more about that. That was yeah, a, a so mouthful. It, it was, sorry. So what, what our customers are doing is, uh, it's, just now they'll be using check sheets, pen and paper check sheets or Excel spreadsheets. So what we do is we take those checklists or spreadsheets and we apply them into a software and configure that software for them to use on their assets, offshore, onshore, anywhere. Uh, and it, it's a very configurable software, so it can be used anywhere in the world. Is it user-friendly? Absolutely. I can use it, so anyone can use it. Uh, well, we got to try me. If I well, can use we, it, then got, anybody can. So we've got two types of tablets on our booth today. We've got the tablet I can show you the software, or the tablet you can eat. <laughs> well, I will stop by, because I have not yet had you know, multiple uh, beers and scotches yet. So I will stop by before I dig into the scotch and, and check it out to see if it really Please is. Please do. You should, definitely. If, it, if it's idiot-proof, then, <laughs> then I can do it. So uh, oil and gas is your primary market? It, it is our primary market. That's where most of our customers are. We are uh, our company's headquartered in Aberdeen in Scotland. I'm based here in our Houston office, and we've got an office in the Philippines as well. But we have customers and partners globally. Primarily, like I said, oil and gas, but we're in LNG plants, um, petrochemicals, refineries, distilleries, commercial shipping. We, we, we're we, very vast over multiple industries and sectors. Uh-huh. And I'm taking a look at, you handed me your business card, 
and I'm seeing that Arnley Systems is not too far from my house. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, on Queensbury Yeah, we're Lane. based in uh, City Centre, so ah. it's uh, a really nice office that we have down there. Come by anytime, get some tablets. Well, City Centre is a really nice place yeah, to be. Yeah, it's lovely. It's we, beautiful. We do, we, we, we go to events at the... Um, the city centre. Oh, what's oh, the, uh, the green? Yeah. Okay. Green yeah. And so our office just looks out over the green, basically. Ah. Uh, so if you know where Yard House is, our office is just behind there. So what is the market outlook for you guys? Um, yeah. So we're see. I mean, typically software has got a relatively longer sales cycle. It takes a while for things. Well, as things pick up, it takes a little bit longer for software to get there. So this year, we're seeing a huge uptake in the market. We're seeing uh, a lot of work in South America as well as North America. Uh, so I've been down in Brazil recently uh, and we've generated new customers down there. So we're really seeing some traction. Fantastic. And I, I take it that you were also w roped into coming here tonight by Cornell. And no, I wasn't. So um, oh. Fernando Hernandez, one of the, he volunteers this time with Red M. Yeah. Uh, I've known him. He's a global Scott who works with Cornell. So uh, he's, a, I don't know if you know who, the Global Scott Network, but uh, he's, a, he's a global Scott who I've known for many, many years coming over here. Uh, we've became friends and he told us about this event and we were one of, I think LMS who were on before this and ourselves were the first exhibitors to sign up. It's a fantastic event, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's all, I mean, to be able to give back and yeah. have fun, it, it, it's great. To be able to do two things in once is fantastic. Yeah, raise the awareness for this thing, it really Exa important exactly. yeah. topic. So last question for you, Paul. How did a proper Scotsman not show up with a kilt? Is it at the dry cleaner? Uh, no, so it's in my cupboard at home. <laughs> uh, I was going to take it and hang, hang it up. But living in Texas for a year, it doesn't fit me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but this is my tartan. I oh, saw it. Okay, the so. tie. He's holding up his tie, showing me his tie. <laughs> uh, I love honesty. I love honesty. Thank you so much, Paul, for joining me on the You're, oil, you're on very the welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Sitting next to us at the Oil and Gas Global Network booth is an organization that is doing some really important and powerful work. Houston Strong Children's Services is here represented tonight by Crystal Mtasa. Crystal, welcome to the show, and please tell my audience, what does Houston Strong Children's Services do? Oh, well, first and foremost, thanks for having us here. It's a pleasure and it's an honor. Um, it's awesome to meet people who are in the same realm that we are in. Um, Houston Strong started after Hurricane Harvey hit back in 2017. There was a lot of devastation. A lot of our kids were recently placed in foster homes and they were displaced from their homes yet again. So myself and a lot of our board members came together and we founded Houston Strong as a foster care adoption agency for kids for the ages of zero to 22. Wow, yes. zero to 22. Zero to 22. Oh a lot my. of people don't know that if you age out of foster care at the age of 18 and you still need help, you can still come back into the system and sign an extended care agreement and get help until the age of 22. Wow. So this is a not-for-profit organization. Do you work with Child Protective Services? How yes. does the whole thing 
So we're contracted with DFPS, who's under Child Protective Services, HHS. We work with a lot of different organizations in partnership and collaboration. We definitely uh, are advocating for human trafficking. A lot of our girls and boys that come into foster care, one out of four of them have been human trafficked. Oh, my gosh. Yes. How do these children come to you? How do you find them or how do they find you? Wow. Sometimes we get calls in the middle of the night. Um, sometimes they find us online um, because they go on Google and they type in foster care agency and they pull up Houston Strong because we're in Houston. Um, some people find us from Instagram or in the community. We do a lot of community events. Uh, tomorrow we'll be at the Grow Fest. Um, we're promoting a lot of our kids to learn about green energy and green jobs because we know that our kids are the future. So we look forward, hopefully, to seeing some viewers there tomorrow. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yes. I'm, I'm going to remind my listeners to go back and listen to the episodes from uh, SELF, the Children's Education Literacy Foundation, that is providing that uh, sustainability education into our schools. So it's it's just shows how important a topic it it is, and it educating our young folks. But the work that you're doing is truly God's work. So how do how are you funded? How where do you get your your money from? So we are a nonprofit 501c3, and so uh, by us attending events like this, uh, we do have a Giveify account. So we do have people that donate and that give to us. Um, we work with a lot of churches. Um, we do have the uh, outrun reach that's coming up um, as far as fighting hunger. Um, that's to end world hunger. <laughs> you hear me? Uh, that one is in Montgomery County coming up. We do a lot of events to try and fundraise um, so that we can have the funds to pour into our homes. Um, one thing about us is that we're a small, but we're strong and we're mighty. And so a lot of our families, we don't have as many families as like some of the larger foster care agencies, but we're very hands-on. If you call me at 1 a.m., I will answer and I will help you with your child. I myself before was a foster parent. So it's not just I love what I do. It's I've had that experience and that exposure to give you the right direction to work with the kids who have dealt with trauma. Wow. Um how can we get people directed to you? Is there a, if people want to donate, are we talking just people? Are we talking businesses? How do we get people directed to you to donate and support what you're doing? Great question. So there's several ways to find us. Um, the best way I would say is to go to our website, which is www.houstonstrongchildrenservices.com. Dot org, and then if you click on our donate link, it'll di directly uh, send you to Giveify, and it'll give you our account. Um, anyone can donate. You can be an individual, you can be a business, you can be an institution. Um, so we want to pour into our community. If there's events even that you want us to serve, I'm very, my whole organization, we're very big on service. So we're always willing to go out and serve and spread knowledge. As you said, education, we always tell our kids, you can be moved from home to home, you can lose your clothes, you can lose your glasses, you can lose sometimes even your parents, but the one thing that you cannot lose is your education. Oh my gosh, that's so true. What about volunteers? Can they also seek you through HoustonStrongChildrenServices.org? Yes, they can also find us on IG, um, at Houston Strong CPA. CPA stands for Child Placing Agency. 
They can find us on LinkedIn, Houston Strong Children's Services. We're on Facebook, Houston Strong CPA. Um, so you can always find us serving the community as well. Like I said, we do a lot of events. Um, you can Google us as well, Houston Strong Children's Services, and you'll find us. A lot of people find us with our shirts because we have human trafficking shirts. We have breast cancer uh, shirts. We have uh, world hunger shirts to end hunger, homelessness. Uh, we are big on social justice and advocating for our community. Fantastic. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put some of those links in the show notes uh, for this episode. And I am very privileged to have had you, Crystal, and your organization close out this episode of ESG Energized Broadcasting at, from the Scottish Night to Remember at the Cannon in Houston, Texas. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Join us again next week on the ESG Energized Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.